0: Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution Podcast. I am your host, Spencer Dirks, alongside, as always, Dr. Bob Leonard. How you doing, Dr. Bob? Pretty darn
1: good, thank you. It's beautiful out.
0: We are in false fall. We're gearing up for a heat wave, of course, to begin school next week. That'll be a whole lot of fun. Temperature is probably record-breaking by the end of the weekend and early next week. Is what it is. It is what it is. And that always happens. It seems like... At least a few days during football slash volleyball camp in the fall is just unbearable. we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll talk about a couple of your sub stacks right off the bat. Also, we'll talk about Mason City using AI, the Mason City School District using AI to complete their list of banned books. Uh, A grand jury, of course, has indicted President Trump for the fourth time, this time in Fulton County, Georgia talk about those charges. Also, Ty Rushing, one of the best reporters in the state. He works for Iowa Starting Line. He was actually stopped by law enforcement from going to a Ron DeSantis campaign stop in Harlan. Also, a former advisor to Mike Pence is coming out against Donald Trump and just the entire Republican Party, really. Also from NPR, one of the biggest officials, or at least former official in the Southern Baptist Convention, is also calling out Donald Trump. A little bit of good news. We've got a new candidate for uh, the U.S. House of Representatives in the state of Iowa, and we'll finish things off with the top five. It's top five Bobs this week. Can't wait. We'll see if you make the list. You're always number one, though, Dr. Bob. So we'll start off. I mentioned you've got a couple sub-stacks. And by the way, you can follow us on Substack. We're Iowa Revolution. You can follow us on Twitter, at Iowa Revolution. We're also on Facebook, too. We also post all of our podcast there. So if you want to follow us on Facebook, just search Iowa Revolution. And you have your Deep Midwest Substack. You had a, I guess, movie review slash critique on the Barbie movie, which I read uh, that dropped on what, Monday, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday morning. And then you also had one that I want to talk about here to start off the show. You talked with Rita Hart, the Iowa Democratic Party chairwoman. And I guess first of all, I'm glad you talked to her because we've talked on this podcast. I've seen several different Iowa writers talking about where is the state Democratic Party. I must say that I was a little bit more optimistic after reading through the transcript of the interview than I was before I read it. But what were your thoughts as you were talking with Rita Hart?
1: Well, I thought that uh, she was very clear that there's lots of things in motion behind the scenes. I was you know, pleased to hear about the new you know initiatives at the county level, trying to make our county parties stronger. Uh, the county ambassador program, where the where different, where one person with the county, it may or may not be the chair, meets monthly with the IDP, and they share communications and plans and uh, successes and whatever. And I think that that's very good. Um, putting together candidates, uh, I think that. You know, it's really it's really interesting focusing on the the thirty three, I think it was, counties that went from that went Obama, Obama, and then Trump, Trump. Right. And that was a interesting thing. So I don't know, I learned a lot. We've some interesting comments on the piece, Subsec you can comment and uh I think that it's good to have a dialogue. I think that there's some really smart, good people out across this state that um, have lots to share. I think that the Democratic Party isn't visible enough. The Iowa Democratic Party or leadership isn't um, visible enough for a variety of reasons. One is that first Trump and everything happening with him sucks all the oxygen out of the room And the other thing is some of the outlandish stuff that's being done in Iowa by the legislature is just so so shocking. It's hard to get a Democratic word in, in part because so many elected officials, all but one in the state, are Republican, so they get all the news coverage. And they needed to be out in front more, more publicly visible. I don't know how many times we said, we don't know what they're doing. If we don't know what they're doing, then... Nobody else does except those in the inner circle, and they need to open up with that. And I and I think that the interview I did with Rita was very good. I think that that was opening up, and they need to have a mechanism in place so that it continues to happen. But it was very good. She um, There was also a, an article in the New York Times that said that pretty much Democrats are giving up all hope. This came out in, on August 11th. I read it, and I thought, yeah, this doesn't, sit well with me it's not what I see and, and she gives a very interesting sort of dissection of that New York Times article which people you know they should read what she has to say
0: yeah I could go on and on but I do just want people to go you can listen to the interview if you want so if you're driving you can just listen to it or you do also have the transcript there as well so if you do just want to read through Her comments, I would encourage you to do that. Deep Midwest is the Substack from Dr. Bob Leonard, and you also have Cedar Creek Nature Notes, too, where you take a walk in the woods every morning and share some of the sights and sounds that you have there. So make sure you subscribe to uh, both of those on Substack. Let's get into book banning once again. This is from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Books are now being pulled from the shelves of Mason City Schools Libraries in order to comply with newly enacted state legislation that Governor Kim Reynolds says will protect children from damaging and obscene material. According to the district, quote, lists of commonly challenged books were compiled from several sources to create a master list of books that should be reviewed. The books on this master list were filtered for challenges related to sexual content. Each of these texts was reviewed using AI software to determine if it contains a depiction of a sex act. Based on this review, there are 19 texts that will be removed from our 7 through 12 school library collections and stored in the administrative center while we await further guidance or clarity. We also will have teachers review classroom library collections. Assistant Superintendent of Curriculum and Instruction at Mason City Community School District Bridget Exman said that the lack of clear guidance has many district teachers feeling uncertain and vulnerable. Some have asked for a list of books to look for in their school libraries or their classroom libraries. Quote, we intend to help teachers make defensible decisions when they have questions or concerns about books so they don't feel like they are left on their own to figure this out. End quote.
1: Yeah. So I think that's a great idea. Let's let AI decide rather than the profession, you know, some computer algorithm that you don't know what's behind it. Right. But let's let AI decide. Rather than our professionally trained librarians and teachers. What could possibly go wrong?
0: And how dystopian is this? Yeah. That we're going to allow an artificial intelligence tell us what we can and can't put in our school's libraries?
1: Yeah. No, it's... I mean, it's Hal all over again, 2001, taking
0: over. And one of the books was Friday Night Lights by Buzz Bissinger. It's a football book. book. Like, there may be, you know, some students kissing or maybe, you know, having a sexual relationship or something. But it's like
1: high school students have never done that <laughs> right, right yeah From my knowledge seriously
0: yeah like it's so stupid and i understand like the elementary stuff or whatever you know you don't want to have certain books in elementary classrooms or libraries we all understand but, that that's right. not and they're new not there right. right exactly they're just making a big fuss out and the other thing is too do you think that some mason city 14 year old is horny And wants to go to the library and check out Friday night lights (laughs) because because that's really going to, you know, help their situation.
1: Right. Kids don't go to the library to learn about the stuff they learn on their phones.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And almost anywhere else. So it is it's just dystopian and ridiculous. So speaking of dystopian and ridiculous, number four, we're up to count four. Not I shouldn't say count four, but the fourth indictment of former President Donald Trump. This is from CNN. A grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia, has indicted former President Donald Trump and more than a dozen of his associates for election fraud, racketeering, and other charges related to alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Trump, the first former president in U.S. history to face criminal charges, has now been charged in four separate cases involving allegations that bookend his presidency. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis said at a news conference on Monday night that arrest warrants have been issued for all the defendants in the case, and they now have until noon on August 25th, so next Friday, to turn themselves in. Quote, the state's role in this process is essential to the functioning of our democracy. Georgia, like every state, has laws that allow those who believe that results of the election are wrong, whether because of intentional wrongdoing or unintentional error, to challenge those results in state courts. And that's, again, from Fannie Willis.
1: Yeah, she's got him. I do agree with Trump on something. I'm all ears. (laughs) Well, he said... Well, you know, why did it take them two and a half years if they had something? They should have had it, you know, two and a half years ago. And, and he's right. We heard him. We heard him say, find me the votes. Just find me the votes and we'll take care of it. We heard him. He confessed. But she was, did her due diligence and, you know, built a case. But he, yeah, we knew. He confessed. And so <laughs> I don't understand why he isn't already, you know, in orange, wandering mar lago with an ankle bracelet and a flip phone.
0: I don't understand either, because he's telling everybody that is testifying against him to not testify against him. He's threatening, threatening them. Yes, he's threatening them on social media. So the fact that he can still do that is, again, the two-tier justice system that they always talk about, but he's getting the benefit of it.
1: Yeah. He and his family they got billions of dollars while they were in office.
0: Some of the other defendants in this case, uh, again, Trump is the top defendant. There were 18 others, including Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, who was a conservative lawyer and advisor to Trump, and then Mark Meadows, former White House Chief of Staff. Other co-defendants include Jeffrey Clark, a former Justice Department official, and Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis, conservative lawyers who pushed baseless claims of voter fraud. The filing lists 41 total counts, including 13 against Trump, and else there are 30 unindicted co-conspirators.
1: Yeah, it's hard for me to imagine. This whole web of people that are involved to conspire with him to do this, I would have never have thought that there were so many dishonest people that could lie. And there are privileged places in society that have no moral code that will just do anything For power, I I just would have thought it was impossible. All these people, halls of Congress, I mean, business and finance leaders, and I guess my opinion of lawyers hasn't always been very high, but I mean, (laughs) it's just, it's just amazing to me that they could find so many. I think that a lot of our, you know, Republican friends and family members are just so totally misled by the conservative media. I don't know eventually that's going to change, but um, the people that know what they're doing and are lying. Mark Meadows, what a pathetic man. He's even more pathetic than Mike Pence.
0: (laughs) I agree. Speaking of pathetic men, Sean Hannity had, what was, uh, Paul Manafort (laughs) on his show on Fox News on Monday night talking about (laughs) the legal issues and all this sort of stuff. It's like, come on. Paul Manafort? Yeah. That's who you're coming on to defend, President Trump, and say that this is an overreach from the Justice Department? And they're talking about the deep state and all these conspiracies and all this sort of stuff, which Democrats aren't very good. We don't get along with each other, let alone get along with the Republicans. We couldn't, we couldn't put together a conspiracy as well as Donald Trump actually put together a conspiracy to overturn the election.
1: No, couldn't happen.
0: We, we are not good enough at that sort of shit. They also have integrity. We're t- exactly. Well, I don't know about integrity necessarily, but Democrats, on average, are smarter than your average Republican, and I think it's harder for us to be duped into things like that.
1: Well, I don't know about that. I haven't seen the studies on that. I know I have a lot I have. of smart Republican I have,
0: friends. and the, the more education you get, the more likely you are to be liberal.
1: Well, that's different than smart. Some of the smartest people I know have driven taxi cabs and some of the dumbest people I know have been professors.
0: Agree completely. I'm just saying, if you want to look at how smart somebody is, the first place you probably would look would be their education. Just saying. Yeah. When you apply for a job, they don't just say, hey, are you smart or not? Okay, we'll hire you. They want to see, okay, where did you go to school? What kind of grades did you get? Et cetera. Long story short, we're not as good at just duping people like that.
1: No, and we see that we see and speak to gray areas. And we don't have a hero worship. I mean, if Joe Biden did crimes, we'd say, well, there we go. Go to jail. We right. don't really care. I
0: mean, the same just, thing with Hunter Biden. Like, yeah. who cares? Yeah. Lock him up if you want to. That's the true. other thing is, too, they keep trying to say, like, the big guy. How they always say, like, Hunter Biden had these text messages with these barisma officials and you, I got to run it by the big guy. First of all, who do, how do we even know that he is the big guy? The big guy could be literally anybody, right? Yeah. Could be anybody. And then secondly, Joe Biden is senile according to the Republicans. So he's running this nation or not even nationwide international criminal conspiracy, but also has dementia.
1: Yeah. But see, the thing is, that's what is a requirement to be a Republican, is to be able to hold all this contradictory stuff in your head without rejecting it. Right. I mean, just just what it is. That's the thing. If you think
0: about it any more than two steps, it's like it just all falls apart. I wanted to say this, too. The only two comments that I've seen from any Iowa national representatives, one was from Ashley Henson, Iowa Representative Ashley Henson, who represents Northeast Iowa, she went on Newsmax last night and said, quote, everyday Americans are concerned they are going to be next, end quote. No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) We Let's let's conspire and try to overthrow an election, Dr. Bob. Then we should really be worried.
1: But see, this thing is, is they think if you can take down the president, they can take down you. Now let's flip that. If they can take down me, they should be able, using the same criteria, to take down the president.
0: Thank you. No, they're saying that he's above the law. Yeah, exactly. And that all presidents throughout all history should be able to commit whatever crimes they want.
1: The Law and Order Party. Exactly. For us, not for them. Well,
0: and then speaking of Chuck Grassley, his quote is, and he was talked to at the Iowa State Fair. Somebody asked him what his thoughts were. Grassley said, quote, All I can say to you is what I hear from Iowans. I hear from Iowans that they're sick and tired of the political bias in the FBI and the DOJ. And they're sick of the fact that some Republicans get treated one way and Democrats get treated the other. Just think of how Trump is being treated today versus Hillary Clinton when she destroyed classified stuff on her server, end quote.
1: There was all kinds of investigations. (laughs) And the fact of the matter is Trump also has destroyed... I mean, he wanted Mar-a-Lago flooded. Right, to destroy story evidence. But I mean, Hillary Clinton was investigated and investigated on so many different things, and
0: um, and nothing ever came of it. No, just so happens that things actually come of these Trump investigations right. because he committed crimes. And by the way, Hillary Clinton, fine if she like that's what we're talking about. If she committed crimes,
1: take, take torture, her down. Yeah. And, yeah,
0: and the thing is, most of these cases that we're talking about. I don't know if Donald Trump will ever serve any jail time, although one of the charges
1: five years. is a mandatory
0: yeah. sentence. You can't even get probation out of it or a suspended sentence. It's mandatory jail time if he's found guilty.
1: Well, the fortunately for him, Brian Kemp is the governor of Georgia, and I presume he can pardon him. He
0: cannot. He That's another thing that I was going to bring up. There's only two states in the U.S., where the governor can't unilaterally pardon somebody, Georgia is one of them, it actually just goes, there's like a commission. So it's almost like a parole board where they actually have a, a pardon board that you have to apply to, and, of course, then they get together and investigate. That's good. I mean,
1: that's good. That That's what we should all
0: have. Right.
1: I think. But
0: Yeah, to have one person literally be above the law and yeah. be able to pardon anybody they want is pretty shady, especially in this day and age. So, yeah, that's he Good to know. could not be pardoned for his state charges in Georgia. Anything else on Donald Trump? No. Um, Just how big of a loser he is? Yeah.
1: That's incredible. the other thing, too.
0: He's lost two elections in terms of the popular vote. The first one was even Hillary Clinton beat him by even more than Joe Biden beat him in the popular vote. And he's running for the third time, and he's already lost the last election. So why do you even want Trump to... To run again anyway. He's a loser. A they, loser. Nobody
1: wants him to run again that are, the Republican elite in Iowa do not want him to run again. They do not want him to be the nominee, no matter what they say. Yeah. They don't want him. They want anybody but him.
0: So let's get into this. I think this is probably the biggest story over the past week, honestly. Again, we were in our Cock Talk segment here on the Iowa Revolution podcast this is from Iowa Starting Line, of course, Ty Rushing, who, a friend of yours, one of the best political reporters in the state. He was blocked from attending a Ron DeSantis campaign stop in Harlan. And Governor Ron DeSantis' campaign team on Friday, this past Friday, contacted law enforcement in an attempt to prohibit Iowa Starting Line reporters from covering his campaign in the Hawkeye State, according to Shelby County Sheriff's Deputies. Two reporters, including Starting Line's chief political correspondent, Ty Rushing, were greeted by multiple sheriff's deputies at the entrance of the American Legion in Harlan on Friday afternoon, where DeSantis was making his second campaign stop of the day. This is from Deputy Bill McDaniel, quote, They said it's a private event. They don't want you. It is what it is. That's what the sheriff's deputy said to Ty Rushing when he was trying to make his way towards the building. So he refused to elaborate on why the campaign sought to block starting line's access to the event that day. Quote, I can't tell you why. I don't work for them. It's a private event, he said. It is what it is, end quote. No other media outlets were excluded from the event. After speaking to a crowd inside, DeSantis answered questions from other reporters on the front lawn, where starting line was also prohibited from participating, even outside. Deputies stood guard on the sidewalk throughout the event. Before the event in Harlan, Starting Line had covered another DeSantis event in Atlantic, where DeSantis' private security took photos of the reporters and began to shadow them around the event. Rushing has also covered seven previous DeSantis events. I should also note that Ty rushing is black.
1: Yeah, which is very interesting. You know, the DeSantis campaign said, well, he, he didn't ask to be credentialed. And sometimes that happens. I mean, I don't always ask for a credential. I don't always... Sometimes I go as an audience participant. Well, that's
0: what they said, that he didn't get credentialed as press. He just signed up as an attendee.
1: But then you don't put law enforcement right. on him. You don't. He doesn't have to ask questions. What I think was going on, and I texted Ty this, I, I think that it was a dog whistle. Pick on the tall black guy. And and Ty is just a kind, sweet guy. Oh, he is really amazing. Really smart. Yeah, if you, you know, don't goodmire. read his
0: stuff, you don't. Yeah, follow him on Twitter. He is honestly the best political reporter in the state, or at least one of the best, and also just a great, funny guy to yeah. follow on Twitter.
1: Yeah. So, and plus, if they wanted to, if if it was, it was a dog whistle. It was a, a dog whistle, not as big as putting, you know, um, people coming across the border on a plane to Martha Vineyards to be, you know, just to be cruel. This was a dog whistle, you pick on the black guy. And the the fact of the matter is, I don't know how many of hundreds of these events I've been to over the years. If they don't want you in, all you have to do is put, say, an intern. You put an intern on it and say, I'm sorry, you can't come in. Nobody's gonna do anything. They'll say, why? They're gonna do the same thing Ty did. You don't need three or four deputies to do it, and private security, which I saw in the video. It was it was something that he wants to use to signal to his base that he's going to treat black people differently. That's my assertion. I texted Ty. We got I just got a text back from him. I texted him. I think DeSantis used you to dog whistle, and then he texted back. Wouldn't be shocked given his record. And so I think that's a whole another story. And. Uh, that he's doing that. It's just more signaling. He didn't have to do that. He could have had a staffer say, sorry, you you can sit. He registered as an attendee. You can sit, but you're not going to be allowed to ask questions. So I would have said, fine. But he'd already been to numerous events. I've seen him at DeSantis events before.
0: Yeah, seven different events yeah. previously. So, and no. I know that he had tweeted that he didn't ask any questions in the event that he attended that morning either. So it's not like he asked a question that Ron DeSantis didn't like, and then therefore we're not going to allow you into the next one. He didn't even speak there before anyway.
1: Well, and uh, oftentimes DeSantis doesn't take questions from the press. So this was a deliberate staged event with law enforcement that'll be used in a campaign ad sometime down the road.
0: This is from CNN. Uh, Still again, we are in our Cock Talk segment talking about caucus news. J. Michael Ludig, a conservative retired federal judge and key advisor to former Vice President Mike Pence, declared last Wednesday that, quote, there is no Republican Party and said former President Donald Trump is even more dangerous than he was in the aftermath of the 2020 election. Quote, American democracy simply cannot function without two equally healthy and equally strong political parties. So today, in my view, there is no Republican Party to counter the Democratic Party in the country. Ludig, who advised Pence on how to handle the January 6, 2021 election certification vote, told CNN's Poppy Harlow on CNN this morning, quote, and for that reason, American democracy is in grave peril. Ludig, who also uh, holds bona fide conservative credentials with long standing ties to the Supreme Court, has become increasingly outspoken in sharing his criticisms of the GOP, calling the party spineless in June over its continued support of Trump quote, a political party is a collection and assemblage of individuals who share a set of beliefs and principles and policy views about the United States of America. Today, there is no such shared set of beliefs and values and principles or even policy views as within the Republican Party for America, he said on Wednesday, last Wednesday.
1: Yeah, notice how he put principles before policy because that's what it takes. There is, you know, so many unprincipled people. The only principle they have is to, is to seek power and to and to make sure that no one else can ever have power again. That's why it's a rising autocracy and Trump is gonna come in if he wins, replace any kind of independence in the judiciary or anywhere in the government, unless you sign a loyalty pledge. It's, and and don't think that's all over with with Trump, I mean he's building that now and they'll and if Trump is out of there, they'll go straight to DeSantis or whoever.
0: Right. It's just nice to hear a Republican, a well, very respected Republican.
1: Right. And who's also very analytical, a good writer, good communicator. He's what Republicans used to be. Right. And where you could just sit down and talk and have debates about policies and you know, what you know, it's the best thing to do for people, and have disagreements, but th- those days are gone.
0: And I still—I talked about this last time. All I hear—the only consistent message out of the Republican Party—is open borders. Mm-hmm. Seriously, I don't—I don't hear any other policy coming from any Republican.
1: Well, you know, banning books. Um,
0: getting rid of trans kids yeah, genocide I mean, yeah. of, of homosexuals
1: yeah no those are policy decisions
0: <laughs> i mean really like there is no policy there is no bizarre
1: policy decisions they're not the kind of policy decisions that we want i mean i wrote a piece about trans people and my dad and a and his pickup truck and my dad was an old-fashioned guy and he I mean, and I said i don't I, wrote, well, I don't know what he thought about trans people. We never talked about them the society didn't talk about them. we knew they existed, but you know you know, go for it, whatever, but that, now
0: that's, that's all those people talk right. about, right That's all they talk about because they which to me is a red flag
1: well it's because it's it's a minority, and you can get the majority fearful of the minority then you know. That's been their Bill playbook Hammer. since the
0: yeah. 60s. Right. All the way through the Civil Rights Movement and the Southern Strategy with Richard Nixon. Pick on the minorities and you'll win the election.
1: Right. And Vivek um, is saying, Ramaswamy is saying, oh, it's the tyranny of the minority. No, it's not the tyranny <laughs> of the minority. Right. It's just like, just we used to just let people be. And I thought, I mean, that's sort of libertarian, right? Yeah. Like, let people be. And I thought that Republicans were for freedom. And small government. Yeah, and freedom to impose their views on the rest of us.
0: I did see, I know that the Iowa bathroom bill has not been challenged yet in the courts, but I can't remember which state it was, but it was found to be unconstitutional. It may have been Florida, where their trans bathroom bill limited the constitutional rights of trans students, so they deemed that to be unconstitutional. The law will continue to go, I don't think it's the Supreme Court, but... They're making up laws that they're not even going to be right. able to enforce anyway. Well, and the things you know, the thing is. Same that, thing with the abortion law that they just passed in the state house with that special session. Who knows if that will be able to to pass judicial muster?
1: Yeah, who knows? We'll see. Probably depends on who
0: the, who the justices is. are, right? Which is not good news right. for us islanders. Uh, let's take a wider scope. This is from NPR. Russell Moore, formerly a top official in the Southern Baptist Convention. When Donald Trump came on the scene, Moore criticized him publicly and found himself ostracized by many other evangelical leaders who embraced the former president. Moore also criticized the Southern Baptist Convention's response to a sexual abuse crisis, as well as what he viewed as an increased tolerance for white nationalism within the church. Suddenly in 2021, Moore found himself resigning from his post and on the outside of a denomination that had, up until that point, defined his life. Moore spoke to All Things consider Scott Detrow about what he thinks the path forward is for evangelicalism in America, on why he thinks Christianity is in crisis. It was the result of having multiple pastors tell me essentially the same story about quoting the Sermon on the Mount parenthetically in their preaching. Turn the other cheek, and to have someone come up after me to say... Where did you get those liberal talking points? And what was alarming to me is that in most of these scenarios, when the pastor would say, I'm literally quoting Jesus Christ, the response would not be, quote, I apologize. The response would be, yes, but that doesn't work anymore. That's weak. So they're canceling Jesus. Republicans are canceling Jesus in church.
1: Well, they've been radicalized. I listen to sermons around here on Sunday morning and and it's... It's a lot of talk of, of war and cruelty and it's all old testament stuff it's pretty bad so i do yeah no that isn't surprising at all but jesus was always a radical mm-hmm. you know and they just don't get it that now, he's <laughs> the, now you know he's a radical against them because they're not following his teachings even though they purport to be
0: right It's sickening, really, that they've pretty much hijacked Christianity.
1: Yeah. Well, well, and what needs to happen is our lefty pastor friends need to get off their asses and do something. Right. And they're too afraid to, most of them.
0: Well, and all it's going to do is dwindle their numbers. People already don't want to go to church because of this sort of shit. So it's like, if you actually want to have people in your pews... You have to reject Donald Trump and this Republican Party.
1: Yeah, there's a whole different Christianity that exists that I grew up in and yeah. has nothing to do with these so-called Christians
0: on the right. Right. Anything else? About Trump, Christianity? <laughs> what? Well, I've got a couple things, um, some good news. Uh, the Iowa women's basketball team sold out. All of their home games at Carver-Hawkeye Arena are sold out this year. Already. That's good news. Hugely good news. And not only that, but that's also driving up prices for away games, too. So since people can't see Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes and Carver, those are already sold out. And the prices were already up like 600% for most of the away games last year. And now it's just going to be, I mean, those are going to be, 10, 15, 20 times what they, you know, a ticket to a women's basketball game, I'm going to guess is around 15, 20 bucks at a lot of these uh, stadiums, and those will be $100 tickets.
1: Yeah. It's good for the game. She's good for the game.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. There's, it's exciting. It's a, it's an interesting game below the basket. Right. It's, I like it. I prefer watching women's. The, the girls seem more excited. Yeah, and happier to be there. The guys, some of the guys are, but some of them.
0: Are it's just, not cool to be exuberant.
1: Yeah, if you're a guy, you got to be tough. Right,
0: you got to be tough and low key. You don't want to wear your emotions on your sleeve, which does make it less fun.
1: Yeah, they're dragging their feet down the court.
0: Yeah, it seems like more of a job than it is mm-hmm. something that they actually are enjoying doing an actual game. Yeah. Like Caitlin Clark looks like she's playing a game. Mm-hmm. extremely well, but she's having fun doing it.
1: Yeah, it's magical.
0: She really is. She's like a unicorn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Truly, truly like a unicorn. Also good news, and depending on who you are, I, I did see there was not a a huge hooray from a lot of Democrats on Twitter when I saw this, but this is from Bleeding Heartland. They tweeted that Christina Bohannon is officially launching her campaign in Iowa House District 1. That actually is happening on Tuesday. So, as you're listening to this, last night happened in Davenport at 5 p.m. Bohannon served one term in the Iowa House representing an Iowa city district. Then she ran for Congress in 2022 and lost to Marionette Miller Meeks 53.4% to
1: 46.6%. She is a really good candidate. Yeah. And a better person. She's just really, really sharp. Um, I think she'll represent us well.
0: Um, By the way, that is the district that you and I live in.
1: That's right. And Miller Meeks is, oh, you know, sort of a typical Republican taking credit for things they didn't do. Yep. She's just didn't vote for. Yeah, voted against. Yeah, right. yeah. So I don't know. I'm. I've seen her a lot on the stump. She's a nice enough person. It's. She has a hard time looking at me in the eye when she knows she's misrepresenting something. That's, let me put it that way.
0: So maybe she does have some sort of ethos or pathos?
1: I think she does. And that's the saddest part because right. there's so many people like that that have been swayed.
0: Right. Even Chuck Grassley. You know, as I was growing up, I thought of Chuck. It was Chuck Grassley and Tom Harkin. We had one Democrat and one Republican, and they both seemed like very nice men. Seemed Thoughtful. like, they, like yeah. they, they, they represented Iowa well. They paid attention to things that Iowans wanted them to pay attention to. Got things for the state that we sent them to Washington, D.C. to get us. And now that's just not the case. He's completely partisan.
1: Well, and he doesn't have the courage. He said, well, all Iowans are talking to me about is the weaponization of the Justice Department and XYZ. And it's like, you should be telling them what has actually happened. You were there during the insurrection. You You should be saying, let the chips fall where they may. Let the justice system work, rather than undermining the justice system you know, you're on the Judiciary Committee. You know, grow a pair and tell people the truth. They're not hearing it on Fox News. So instead of telling people the truth, he becomes a part of the problem using the excuse that what his people are saying. Correct the people. Right. Tell them what's really happening. But he doesn't. Yeah, have they the are complaining about that, that because yeah.
0: they're being lied to by Chuck Grassley and everybody else, and yeah. Fox News and Newsmax.
1: And he's just saying, well, that's what they tell me. He's supposed to be a leader. Right. No, not anymore.
0: Not at all anymore. So it'd be nice to swap out some of those Republican seats for Democratic ones. Did also want to mention too, I didn't know this until today as I was researching, putting the agenda together. So there was a bit of a hullabaloo about Marionette Miller Meeks not living in her district. She actually lives in Atumwa, which is district two she registered at one of her friend's houses that lives in Leclerc, but what I found out is you actually don't have to live in your district. You just have to live in the state that you represent. So you could, for example, live in Sioux City and run for District 1, which covers the southeastern portion of the state.
1: Well, that wasn't my understanding. She said she was moving. When the district uh, lines changed she moved she said she didn't live in the Tumwa, so she lied to us
0: right <laughs> but uh, apparently so it didn't and, and lied for no reason too i mean i'm sure the people that live in that district would prefer her to live in that district oh. but a tumwa is also like 10 miles away it's not like she lives in some other world where they have different concerns It's not like she lives in Des Moines and is representing a rural district or something like that. I just
1: thought you had to live in the district.
0: Apparently don't. I think I saw that from Bleeding Heartland or Iowa Starting Line. It was a, a reputable source, said that you don't actually have to live within the district that you represent. You just have to live in the state.
1: Well, that's news to me.
0: And that may just be an Iowa law. I mean... That might not be the case in in other states. I just saw that today. It was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't even know how to respond.
0: I I didn't either, really. I was like, okay, well, I guess then we don't really need to worry about that. Anything else? Any good news, bad news?
1: Um, Trump's been indicted again. That's (laughs) great news.
0: 91 total counts, I think. Yeah, 91 felony counts. Right. Yeah, now actually with that... The average U.S. president has been charged with 2.02 02 felonies.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is, he's going. I think he wants to go to jail. I mean, threatening witnesses. If you and I did what he did, speaking about a two-tiered justice system, we would be behind bars. Oh yeah. And he's not. He's right. threatening. The day I think it was the day he was told. That it would be, you know, there would be serious consequences for threatening people and making certain statements. He went and did it. And right. it was over the top. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that he's not in jail bespeaks the notion of the 2 tier justice system. But it's just like he wants it.
0: Uh, another interesting bit of knowledge is that he's now been indicted in all but one NL East town. So Philadelphia is the only town of National League East teams that he has not been indicted in. So he's been indicted in Washington, D.C., of course. He's been indicted in New York City, and now he's been indicted in Atlanta. And Miami, with the Mar-a-Lago and the uh, stolen documents thing. So yeah, four of the five cities in the National League East he's been indicted in.
1: The significance on, of that. Come on, Philly.
0: And the thing is, he could be indicted in Philly. He messed around with the, you know, Pennsylvania elections, okay. too. Yeah. And I think, have you heard, I mean, is there any other, I guess, for sure indictments coming out? I feel like this is sort of the last one that we've been waiting on. But I, I, I'm not sure.
1: I know they've been doing investigations into Michigan and mm-hmm. Washington and all the different places there Michigan and Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah. All the different places, the swing states where they tried to, you know. Arizona. do You know, do the false electors kinds of things. And so, you know, pile them all up.
0: Right. You yeah, know? there was like a, I think it was a Wall Street Journal headline, like, is this fourth adju- uh, fourth indictment a step too far? Or something to that effect. <laughs> step not far enough. <laughs> right. You commit crimes, you're going to be charged with them. And he probably could already have been charged with more crimes that that they want to focus on certain areas. So, you ready for my top five Bobs? Sure. All right. First of all, you're number one always. I didn't put you on the list, but I wanted to let you know that you are my personal favorite Bob of all time. Well, thank you. And there's no question about it. So, top five Bobs. Worst Bob in history. Bob Dylan.
1: Why don't you like Bob Dylan?
0: He's got an awful voice, and I just think he's overrated every time i hear his voice i'm like how do people sit and listen to like 60 minutes straight of an album by bob dylan
1: i think you had to have been there during the time i understand you know why younger people might not like it but it was pretty revolutionary at the time he spoke to a lot of people's concerns and he and you know he didn't have that classic beautiful beautiful voice but i don't know i liked him at the time i mean still okay
0: i think as a person i agree with him Politically, of course. He's from Minnesota, so that gives him a couple extra points. But I'm just not a fan of Bob Dylan. The other part of it is he shares my birthday. We were both born on May 24th, so it sucks to have to share your birthday with somebody that you're absolutely not a fan of. Because every single year on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, it's, oh, it's Bob Dylan's birthday. And it's like, fuck. Like, I don't care. Whenever it's my birthday.
1: Person, whenever I see an old person trending, I think they're dead. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so... They should make it, like, where if you see somebody training, they should put, like, not dead.
1: Right. No, I here. like Bob Dylan all along the Watchtower. All that's good stuff.
0: Yeah. I like it better when it's covered. Like, when people cover his songs, they're a hell of a lot better. He's a good songwriter. I'll give him that much. But not a good singer. All right. Let's get into the top five Bobs. Number five, Bob Seger.
1: He's just okay. Come on. He's just okay. It's, it's like he doesn't... I can just tell he's disingenuous. He doesn't really... <laughs> he's not invested in what he's saying. He doesn't necessarily believe it. He's not having as much fun as he would like us to think he is.
0: That may be true.
1: But he's okay.
0: I, th- I just think it's hilarious that he was known as being this TV dad, but you watch his stand-up specials and they're the raunchiest comedy that you would ever watch did you ever see did you ever hear the did you ever watch the aristocrats movie
1: probably
0: so there was a movie about the joke the aristocrats and it's basically just a way to say a bunch of really dirty stuff and then at the end end, you say the aristocrats like it's you're talking about okay we're gonna do this show it's me and my family and it's just Absolutely disgusting and deplorable stuff. And then at the end, you say, What's your show called? And we're the aristocrats. No. But Bob Saget was in that movie and did the raunchiest, most disgusting, filthiest, but also funniest version of the aristocrats joke. So, Do you
1: actually think I would go see and partake in that?
0: No. But well, maybe. No. Number four, Bob Ross. He's cool.
1: But he was ahead of his time. How so? Well, I don't know. Now there's, well, at least what I'm watching, there's so sort of resurgence in a lot of people doing painting and stuff. And So, I don't know. I, I thought it was cool. It's sort of magical. Yeah, I like him.
0: And he's still on Netflix. I think they have Is Bob it? Ross on Netflix, or one of the big streaming channels. So, even to younger generations, he's still an inspiration, a painting inspiration. And also just an incredibly nice guy, it seems like, at least.
1: Yeah, no, it seems like it. I I like him.
0: Number three is Bob Marley. Have you ever
1: seen Bob Marley in concert?
0: You have, haven't you? Yes,
1: fantastic.
0: I'm sure Did you see him in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Did you get a contact high? No. <laughs> I've seen. So Jim- no, you're smoking it straight, right? No.
1: <laughs> no, I saw Jimmy Cliff too, and he was great. Oh yeah, I bet. I love reggae.
0: So do I. That's why he's number three on the list. Number two is fictional. Bob Belcher. You watch Bob's Burgers?
1: Never heard of him.
0: You don't watch Bob's Burgers? No. You would love Bob's Burgers. Really? It's just a very heartwarming, it's an animated show, it's very heartwarming. It's about a family. Bob is the patriarch and he owns or runs a a burger joint. It's funny. Yeah. Irreverent. Never heard of it. Alright, fine. You've heard of my number one, Bob, of all time. Bob Eucher, he's, he's great.
1: Loved to hear him call a game.
0: Fantastic play-by-play announcer and also just an all-around funny guy. Yeah, he's great.
1: I think I read a book or two he
0: wrote Probably. back in the day. Or at least had somebody ghostwrite for him. <laughs> yeah, but it
1: was so funny it had to be him.
0: Oh, I'm sure he, if he didn't write it, I'm sure he had a, a heavy hand in it.
1: I liked him. Yeah, a lot. How about Bob Newhart?
0: Almost made the list almost made the list maybe should have made the list but he was considered
1: yeah so i was that... also
0: a little too young because i did watch the new heart show when i was younger but it was off the air by the time i was five or six so i saw reruns and stuff my my parents were huge bob newhart fans and yeah,
1: he was great sometimes i feel like maybe i channeled him a little bit when i just sit here and Say, you know, don't say much, then try to say something funny at the end. So, so.
0: You do sort of remind me of Bob Newhart.
1: No kind sweaters. Kind of
0: soft-spoken. Yeah. No sweaters. Beautiful True. wife. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. Suzanne
1: Pleshette was his wife.
0: In real life or on the show? On the show. I don't know about real life. Yeah, didn't he have two... He, I know he had the Newhart show, and then he also had the Bob Newhart show. <laughs> and then wasn't the big joke in one of the finales that he is going to bed and his other wife from the other show is yeah, in right. the bed. Yeah. And it's like all a dream or whatever. What
1: about Bob Gibson?
0: Also a great Bob, yeah. yeah. Still I think holds the record for lowest ERA at least in the, you know, live ball era since 1900. Yeah. And also just a ferocious guy. Like yeah. one of the most feared pitchers in major league Amazing. history. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Amazing. Yeah, Bob good. Woodward
0: also was considered Woodward and Bernstein.
1: He's still sharp as a tack.
0: Yeah, he's still right writing away.
1: How about Bob Hope?
0: Yeah, also considered, but also I'm just too young yeah. to really have one an, an opinion one way or the other on Bob Hope.
1: I'm almost too young.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, really, like, he was literally 100 years old by the time I knew who he was. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but he was funny.
0: I'll take your word for it. By the way, I think this is episode 20. No way. Episode 20. So 20, and thanks to everybody that's kept us going this far. We wouldn't do it without listeners like yourself. No. Nope. If we didn't have any listeners, we wouldn't do it, and we do have some very loyal listeners. So yeah. I do want to mention, too, if you like us, share it. Share our podcast. We'd love to have more people. Iowa Revolution is not only the name but also sort of a mandate. We, we want to change things around here, and we can only do that with your help. So share this. If you have somebody that's like-minded and might enjoy Iowa Revolution.
1: Or share it with people that aren't like-minded and piss them off.
0: That'd be good, too. That's even better. That would be even better. I love pissing people off. So then we can talk about that, too. Next week, by the way, top five movies or TV shows about radio. I can think of only one or two, but we'll see. Okay, we'll discuss next week. Anything else, Dr. Bob? No, thank you. <laughs> like, it. Well, we've talked enough about bob saget so yeah well yeah. we're done for this week thanks for uh listening again make sure you subscribe to our sub stack you'll get this podcast delivered to your email every wednesday morning also follow dr bob's sub stacks he has deep midwest politics and culture and cedar creek nature notes dr bob always a pleasure can't wait for next week me neither